Well, good morning. I'm uh, John, and uh, this is my wife, Tracy. If Tracy, you just wave there. And our three boys, um, so proud of them. Uh, my wife uh, is definitely uh, the better half, so if you get a chance and can see her tomorrow at the women's uh, Bible study, please join, uh, because I know that uh, she'll share something that will bless your heart. Um, we're, we're honored uh, to be here this morning, and I want to honor uh, Pastor Matt, uh, your pastor. It's a, a good thing when uh, you meet with your pastor, and I met with him this uh, last week for coffee, and he just brags about you guys. He loves you guys. He's so excited about the church, and a pastor is a gift. He's a gift from God, and so I just want to honor Pastor Matt when I talk to him about our ministry and, and what we do and just the excitement uh, that he shares. Uh, so we're, we're thankful to be here and honored to be here at Valley Community. And then I also want to honor Sam and Janelle Thurman. Uh, they're our friends from New York, and they're the ones that invited us here. They're the ones that introduced uh, us to Pastor Matt, and they've just been great hosts. And so uh, we are honored uh, to be here, and thank you guys um, for having us. Well, I want to, if you don't mind, would you stand? Because I want to pray. Um, you know, all, all that I'll share is, is our story, our journey. But I, I want to point out that all glory goes to Jesus. That I, I wouldn't even be standing here. I can't even believe that I'm here. I, I've, I've asked myself several times, Lord, I can't even believe this. Because it's just amazing that when you say yes to Jesus, what he can do, and so all glory goes to him. Anything that I share, anything good, uh, is, is all him. Um, I can't even tell you, uh, that if I was going to share all of my story, I'll sum it up by just saying I, I am a prodigal son, that he rescued me, Jesus is my Savior, his blood was shed for me, and uh, he is my righteousness. If there's any good in me, it's because of him. So anything that I share, all glory goes to him. And so I just want us uh, to just pray what Pastor Matt shared this morning from Matthew 25 I was going to touch on. So when he shared, those were the verses that he wanted to read. I said, that's great. That fits. Um, because what, what I want to pray is that this wouldn't just be an ordinary day. That uh, there's a question that I was at a conference once and the gentleman said, he asked the question, he said, why are you here? And then he asked the question again, why are you here? Why are you here in the greater scheme of things, but why are you here today? I believe that God has something for each and one uh, that is here, your heart. And that's what I want to, I want to go to the Lord and just say, Lord, um, you are near to the brokenhearted, that we would be broken for what breaks his heart. And so that's what I want to go to the Lord. Lord, I just, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for each one that's here Lord, we, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your blood that was shed. And Lord, that it didn't end there, that you rose again, defeating death, that we have the gift of eternal life. So, Lord, we just say you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of our lives. And so, Lord, I just, I just pray, Lord, that you would work in all of our hearts, Lord, as, as I uh, share the journey, Lord, that you have brought me on and continue to bring uh, me and my family, Lord, we just praise you. And I pray that you would work in hearts today, Lord, that it would be you, Lord, that speaks. And Lord, I pray that it would be uh, your heart that is displayed today in a mighty way. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. Thank you. Um, so, uh, I'm an attorney. I want to get that out of the way. So think of every uh, attorney joke or lawyer joke that you ever heard of. And just, yeah, I'm not good at telling jokes, so you can just laugh. Because uh, I think there was a couple once I was saying, uh, telling my story to, and uh, the lady was so nice. She smiled. She goes, I didn't know there was any Christian attorneys. So uh, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably meeting one of, of uh, a few. So, um, but God... He took over, and, and that's why we're here today, and, and I'm going to share a little bit more about uh, that story, but 
here's what I know. I don't identify as an attorney. I don't identify as uh, my job. I identify as a son of Jesus, a son of the Father because of Jesus. I'm sorry. And, and that's our identity as sons and daughters of the living God. We, we sung about that this morning. And so what, what uh, came to for me was that I was bought with a price, that, that Jesus died for me, and that it wasn't just a transaction. You know, and that, that was something, I grew up in the Catholic faith. Um, we were Catholics growing up, and, and we kind of did religion. You know, we, we showed up on Sundays, but the rest of the time, we kind of lived the way we wanted to live. And uh, as the scriptures were open to me, and I learned about this Jesus and how much he loved me, and that he went to the cross be, out of love, not out of anything else, and that uh, I was bought with a price, and, and that, it was, that I would live my whole life for him, that it wasn't just um, you know, a, a prayer of salvation. And I think about that. You know, if, if God only thought it was a, a prayer of salvation, that we would say a prayer, and it was a transaction, and it was to go to heaven, then he would have just taken us to heaven. But no, he has a purpose for us. And our purpose is to point to Jesus and to share of the good news of Jesus. And really, in our orphan ministry, ultimately, that's the greatest privilege that we get to do. We get to introduce children to their Heavenly Father. And uh, really, when we look at it, I, I recognize myself. We, we are all spiritually orphaned before we come to know the Father through Jesus Christ. We're or, we were orphaned. And God adopted us into his family. What a privilege uh, that is. And he has something for each of us to do. So as I share our story, I really um, want to encourage you to pray into Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has a plan and a purpose. When you said yes to Jesus, he has something for each and every one that's here. And one of the things that I recognize over the years is that um, there's this uh, secular and ministry. And what I realized was that we are all on mission. When you say yes to Jesus, we are all on mission. So if we're at our job, that's our mission field. If we're in school, that's our mission field. Wherever we are, we uh, sh should be and, and can be demonstrating the love of Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. So I want to encourage you. It's not about um, you know, stepping out and, and doing what I share uh, about our journey. It's just about being simple obedience, just saying yes to whatever God puts on your heart. That if, if, if God speaks something to your heart, you would just say yes. If he says, hey, go, go talk to that neighbor and share Jesus with that neighbor. If he says, hey, the lady in the grocery store needs prayer right now, just be obedient and, and say yes and, and do what he says to do. So uh, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to share, uh, I read a book. It was called uh, The Hole in Our Gospel. It was writ, uh, written by Richard Stearns. He's the CEO of World Vision. And there was a chapter that I, I, I still remember to this day. I read the book several years ago. But it's called 100 Jetliners Crashing. And I, I just couldn't get this, this picture out of my mind. But he said, every day there's 26,000 children that die due to preventable uh, causes due to their poverty. 26,000 children die every day. And he said that's the equivalent of 100 jetliners crashing. Now, take a minute to think about that. If 100 jetliners were crashing every day, that would be on the world news. You, you couldn't, our phones would be all ringing right now. You couldn't, you couldn't lose sight of that. But, but for some reason, 26,000 children dying every day, we don't hear about it. And he asks a question. He goes, why is that? And he answered the question, and he said, it's because it's not our children. And that, that hit me uh, very hard, <laughs> to say the least. And so 
what do we do about this? When, when Pastor Matt reads those, those verses and he says this is close to God's heart, there, Jesus, because he's the embodiment of truth and love, truth and love, there's, there's a tension. There's a tension when we read those scriptures because when Jesus walks into a room and he talks, and he talks to, the, to the Pharisees and he tells them exactly what's on their heart, they either can turn away and reject Jesus or they can be brokenhearted for what he, you know, he just spoke to their hearts and, and move in and move closer to Jesus. And so that's what we all have an opportunity to do. God says in his word that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. He says in Revelation 3.20, he knocks at the door. If we open the door, he comes in and sits with us and eats with us. Like, we don't have to beg for crumbs. I think of the, the lady that needed her daughter to be healed. And she just said, I'll have a crumb under the, the master's table. And Jesus said, what did he say? He said, I can't give crumbs to the dogs. Now, that wasn't, he was not um, uh, ridiculing the, the lady. He was actually saying that she um, was a, like a, a dog that was in the master's table, you know, and, and that was freely to eat. And he was inviting her in. But it wasn't yet time to bring the gospel uh, to the Gentiles, but he did because of her faith. And he saved her. All right, so I want to get into our story. Um, so we were originally from Rochester, New York, and that's where we met Sam and Janelle at our church there. And I got to drink some water here. I'm losing um, my voice. Sorry. And uh, we were at Open Door uh, Baptist Church, and that's where we met in a uh, Sunday school. And we. Um, our, our family grew up there. Our three boys grew up there. Uh, Tracy and I uh, were married there. And really, um, the story is that it was my second year of law school that God really said to me that I was going my own way and that he had a different plan for me. And so this, this journey of getting to know God and what that meant, we started going to church and getting plugged in and uh, going to uh, premarital counseling, and the, the pastor there just gave us scripture, and we, we poured over the scripture, and the scripture is what started to change our hearts. And God started to reveal unto us uh, the love that he had for us, and that love uh, reciprocated back, and we just uh, poured into the scripture. Um, in 2003, my wife was pregnant with our oldest, Justin, and I just remember going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I have no idea how to be a father. And I just, I want to grow up and teach my sons uh, a spirit, to be a spiritual father for them and point them to Jesus. And so uh, God, I remember he answered that prayer and he said, just read my scriptures, get to know me and I will teach you how to be a father. And so that's what I did in 2003. Well, I just poured into the scriptures. I studied the scriptures and when you do that and you realize what Jesus has done for us, God just spoke to my heart and he, he, he was calling me to ministry. And I went to our, our uh, missions pastors at the time, Pastor uh, Bill and Diane from Open Door. They were our mentors. They were discipling us and in, in walking with God. And I shared, I felt called to the ministry. And um, he said, and, and this was after prayer, he said, John, I believe that uh, you should... Stay here at the church, work hard at your job. You're a young attorney, you're just starting out, your family, you have student loans, all that kind of stuff. Because I was thinking, go to seminary, go to Bible school. And he was like, no, just stay here. Work hard unto the Lord when you go to work. And he said, serve in the church and see what God does. And so I kind of walked away from that uh, meeting saying, I just talked to the missions pastor and said, I'm willing to do whatever God wants. And he says, stay put and now I see and, and still see the wisdom in that advice. And so we waited. This was 2003. And I followed his advice. I worked heartily unto the Lord. 
I started, you know, moving up in my, in my job, but I also served more and more in the church and got involved and felt that the Lord was calling us to serve in the youth department. And so we worked with the youth, uh, teenagers, and it was, I was uh, so led to share with them uh, the story of, of my journey and say, you're young and God wants to speak to you about your future and he wants to uh, point you to him and he has a plan for you and you don't have to follow the American dream because that's what I did. I, I went to school, I got a good job and you know we had the, the family and all of that. Not that that's wrong if that's what God is leading you to do but I wanted to encourage young people to hear the voice of God and move in that direction as opposed to just following uh, and being on the treadmill of life because that's where I found myself when, when God intersected. I'm going to get there in a second. Um, so, so work heartily under the Lord, sharing in youth ministry. So now fast forward to 2010. In 2010, uh, I was the token attorney, if you will, on a missions uh, board agency, and I sat in this meeting in the morning, and a gentleman gets up and he starts speaking about Haiti, the country of Haiti. And he says it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. He's been working with seven different pastors there, and things are going great. He just shares these wins. And I, I go to work that day, and on the way home, I'm, I'm driving and listening on my radio, and I hear on the radio, major earthquake hits Haiti. This is the same day. 300,000 people died in a minute. And I, I said, Lord, why all of a sudden Haiti? I get home, I turn on the TV, and I'm seeing images of the earthquake. And I still can't get these images out of my mind. But there's little children walking around with dust covered all over them. And they're just looking around like they have no place to go. The person, uh, the reporter starts talking about the orphan crisis in Haiti at the time. Before the earthquake, 430,000 orphans in a country of 10 million. They said because of the earthquake, that number is likely to double which is 10% of the population is orphaned in Haiti. So I'm sitting on my couch, I'm watching this on TV, and I feel like scales are just coming off my eyes. I had known about the orphan crisis. Our church supported orphans through our missions agency, but it just became real, and I couldn't escape it. It was on my heart now, and I had to do something about it. So two days go by. I talked to my wife. I said, Tracy, is, is God speaking anything to you? Because, you know, we, we were both watching that, but really didn't talk about it. And two days uh, go by, and we share this, and she goes, yeah, God's saying adoption and orphans. And I said, yeah, it's orphans. And the level of my faith at that point was to raise money. I, I felt like that was what he was telling me to do, raise money and send it to these kids. Well, God had a different plan. And let me uh, share, uh, 2006, we actually had a Haitian pastor come in and speak at our church at a missions conference. And I remember the, the seat I was sitting in, and I said, God, thank you. I can give a little bit of money, and this guy is going back to Haiti and reaching his people for Jesus Christ. And I get to be a part of that because I'm giving a little bit of money. But I said these words, I'll never go. I said those words, I will never go. That was 2006. 2010, this happens. So my wife and I, we, we say, yeah, orphans, God's speaking about orphans, and we said, well, let's not tell anybody. Let's just go to prayer. Six to nine months, we didn't, we didn't tell anybody what God was doing. We just went to prayer. And, and in those six to nine months, God used uh, Tracy's morning Bible study. She was crying out because now, now we learned about the global orphan crisis. 150 million orphans around the world. And so we were just broken. And Tracy's crying out in her morning Bible study, and she's just saying, why are all of these kids um, uh, here? You know, why, why aren't they rescued? We're not going to do the slides yet. Uh, honey, I'll hold on one second. Sorry. Um, and, and she was crying out, and God, um, through the book of Habakkuk, used the book of Habakkuk to speak to her heart. And in Habakkuk, um, Habakkuk is crying out for the nation of Israel. 
He's saying, why is all this happening? Why is all this devastation happening? And she was crying out, and God used those verses to speak to her because in that, in that book, God says to Habakkuk, I'm going to do a work in your day that you wouldn't believe if it were told to you. And so we clung to that promise, and we said, God, we believe you put this on our heart. We, we didn't put this on our heart. You put this on our heart. Now we got to do something about it. And so we, we went to our missions pastors again, Pastor Bill and Diane. We said, Pastor Bill, okay, um, it's been seven, eight years, and we believe that God has put something on our heart. And he said, what is it? And we said, it's rescuing orphans all over the world. And he goes, wow, that's a God-sized vision. He goes, is there maybe one place that we could start? And we said, that's easy. It's Haiti. And when he said, and then he said these words, and you got to go. And he said those words, and it was like internal breaks hit for me. I was like, go to Haiti. Why would I do that? Bring my wife to Haiti? She lit up when he said that. And um, so she was talking to the Lord, saying, Lord, change his heart, because I know he's, he's got to you know, have the heart to go and, and lead this thing. And I was praying, Lord, do I really need to go? And so two weeks after, the Lord changes my heart and, and says, you know, you need to go. And so I called uh, Brian, uh, who, who spoke, Pastor Brian spoke at that missions uh, board meeting, and, and I said, Brian, I want to go on the trip, and uh, go on a trip to Haiti. Would you take us on our first trip to Haiti? And he said, absolutely, we will take you. And so we went on our first trip to Haiti in July of 2011. The night before we left, I have to share this part because I want to share, you know, the, the, there's the, the story where everything was smooth and, you know, the, 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 the highlights. But I want to share the journey because I, I think that's important. And in, um, the night before we go to Haiti for the first time, I had so much fear. I had so much fear leading up to the trip, and God was working on me with fear. I, was, I have a fear of flying. I used to have a fear of flying. I fly a lot now, but I used to have a fear of flying, and I was just I was fearful of going to this country where the United States government says, don't travel there, you know? And so I had all this fear, and I remember I was crying in my bed. I was, I was bawling and just like, Lord, and my wife was sleeping like a baby, and she was ready to go. And um, I'm like, Lord, I know I didn't just come up with this, that you put this on our heart. So would you just show me something from your word that's going to confirm that this is from you? And I literally opened up to Romans 8. And in Romans 8, it says, I did not give you a spirit of fear unto bondage, but I have given you a spirit of adoption where you can cry, Abba, Father. And I can't explain it, but a supernatural peace came over me. And that whole trip, I just walked in that peace. I can't explain it. Uh, never experienced it before, but it was the Lord that just confirmed that we were supposed to go. And on that trip, we were in uh, some situations uh, that wouldn't be so peaceful, but we experienced God's peace because he had brought us there. And uh, we were wrecked on that trip. Our whole worldview got flipped upside down. It's a third world country, again, poorest uh, country in the Western Hemisphere. Many people are living um, in mud huts. Uh, they have to walk to the river every day to get their water. Um, it, it's abject poverty. It's poverty like you've never seen before. And we visited many orphanages, and it was just, we, we couldn't believe what we were seeing. So we get back from that trip in 2011, July of 2011, and we land in Rochester, New York, and we look, we're driving home, and we're seeing all the houses, and they got this little ting, you know, of all, everything's perfect, manicured, everything, and we're, we just looked at each other and said, what are we doing? And we, we couldn't go back to normal after seeing what we had saw. So we said a prayer. And we said, Lord, we'll do whatever you want us to do, but it's got to be from you. We don't want to do this on our own. And so we prayed that prayer in 2011. And we were so excited what God was doing in our heart that we started taking teams of people to Haiti. 
So we were, we were leading trips to Haiti. We were working with a small orphanage in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, half of the kids had special needs. And so we were uh, just partnering with that uh, orphanage to take care of those children. And we met uh, a, a lady called Miss Dorothy. She was a, a retired real estate paralegal from Jacksonville, Florida. She was in her 70s. And we met her. And she was the, we call her the Mother Teresa of Haiti. She moved to Haiti after September 11th and, and had spent uh, 11 years there just rescuing kids. She, she had an apartment and she just took in kids and rescued them. Many of the kids, because uh, Haiti views special needs children as cursed um, because of the voodoo practices and things like that, uh, special needs children are often left uh, on the wayside. Uh, hospitals will turn them away if they don't think they can care for them because of uh, the medication that's required and the care that's required. So Miss Dorothy would take in these children that were turned away from the hospital, and she would nurse them back to health. So God uh, brings us together. I'll share that story another time. But brings us together, we start working with this orphanage. And we just started bringing teams of people uh, to that orphanage. And uh, we met a little girl named Lovna. And I'm going to share her story in a minute. Uh, but Lovna was a little girl that we met, and we felt that God was asking us to adopt her. And I'm going to share that story in a minute. Um, but we met her there at Miss Dorothy's orphanage. So I, I want to share how we got connected to Corelove, because Corelove is now the organization that we work with that's based out of um, Houston. So Miss Dorothy was going to retire, and we went there on to, uh, in 2014 on a trip. And she came to Tracy and I and said, would you consider moving to Haiti and taking over my orphanage because I'm, I'm retiring? And we said we would pray about that. And uh, on that trip, we met uh, Mike, and, uh, Mike Reisner from Corelove, who's the founder of Corelove, from, from Texas. So we're there with a team of 18 people from New York, and in walks Mike with a team from Texas, and we literally have a 30-minute conversation because uh, they always stop there. That was the first orphanage that they walked into, and so they always would stop there and see the kids, and then they would go up to Gonaive's uh, northern Haiti. So we had a 30-minute conversation, and we just said, are you committed to these kids? Are you committed? Okay, here's my number, contact, and they went. And so on that trip, Miss Dorothy asked us about taking over our orphanage, and we were like, we'll pray about that. So I get home, back in New York, and I call up Mike, and I said, Mike, I know we just met, but did you know Miss Dorothy is looking to retire? And, you know, he, he, she asked us to take over the orphanage. And he said, yes, I've, I've offered to take in all of the 26 kids to our facilities at Corlove. And I said, man, that's awesome. That's an answer to prayer because... You know, we were hoping that we would be a part of seeing these children grow up and that uh, they would all stay together because they were brothers and sisters. And so he said, well, good. Uh, I said, well, why don't you come to New York and present core love to our church family because we want to get behind you and behind what you're doing. And he said, good, because I just said yes to 26 kids and, and we need partners to help take care of them. And so they came up uh, to New York in 2015 and... At that time, Tracy and I, we were also uh, foster parents, and we, we did that in New York, and we had a little girl with us at that time. Her name was Gabby, and we found out two weeks before they were going to come uh, to visit New York that Gabby was going to be going home, and it was uh, a very hard season for our family. It was, it was uh, a loss that we had never experienced before because we thought we were going to be adopting her, and she healed in our home, and and we kind of knew where she was going to, and the situation wasn't great. Um, so but I, I like to share that part of the story because God used that brokenness to get us to say yes to the next thing that he was going to present to us. And so Mike and Mandy come. They share about Core Love, that you know, they started Core Love after 17 years of pastoral ministry. Um, he was going to present to the youth about orphan care, and he read James 127 and Isaiah 117. We're going to get there in a second. Um, and, and God asked, he felt like God was asking him a question. Did he know the name of one orphan? 
and he couldn't answer that question. He didn't know the name of an orphan. And it wasn't out of a guilt, but he felt like it was God saying, I'm, I'm sharing with you what I'm calling you to next. And so um, he felt like the Lord was saying, if I call you to defend the orphan for the rest of your life, will you do it? And he said yes, and that led him on a journey to go uh, to Haiti in June of 2011. So here we are, we're from New York, they're from Texas, and our paths don't cross until 2014, but we both started in Haiti working with Miss Dorothy's in 2011. So it was just, a, a, just God bringing us together, a divine connection that we can't deny. So they come in, in New York. They present just the miracles that God had done. In five short years, they had rescued over 70 children at the time. They had started a school um, where literally kids were walking from mud huts, receiving a free education. And they're just sharing what God had done in five years. And Tracy and I were so excited about what they were doing and just felt like the Lord was saying, you know, this, is, this could be the answer to the prayer from 2011. And so at the end of the three days, Mike actually asked me, he said, have you ever considered going into full-time ministry? And I said, well, yeah, I'd prayed about it, but um, what does that mean? He said, well, it probably means joining Corlove and moving to Houston, Texas. And I said, wow, I never, never thought about that, never even for a moment. And so he said, well, pray about it. And I called Tracy. She was so excited and said, this could be it. This could be the answer. And so we... Um, in 2016, we went to visit Houston, Texas for the first time in January. And we said, we just prayed, Lord, if this is your will, would you just open the door and make it um, known to us that this is what you have for us? And so we went there in January in 2016, and God just said, this is going to be your home. He made it clear. And now the rubber meets the road because he, he says this, but... But I'm going through all the what-ifs. I'm, I'm leaving a job. Um, you know, we were all set and taking care of our family, and our boys are getting ready to go to high school and then college, and, and all the doubts come in. And I remember a good friend of mine, Anthony, who I knew in high school, or I'm sorry, in college we met, and he was an atheist, and I knew Jesus, but I really wasn't living for Jesus at the time. And after I graduated from law school, he graduated from chiropractic school, and I got a call that he had, he had um, cancer. And I just remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, you need to go and witness to Anthony. You need to share Jesus with him, and you need to, first, you need to apologize. Because in college, you said you knew about Jesus, you had these debates with an atheist about Jesus, but you weren't living for Jesus. And so... I went down, he, he was from Poughkeepsie, uh, New York, went down there, drove down there with another friend of mine from college, and I'm witnessing to him the whole time. This is like 2003 when we're just on fire for the Lord. And he says, you're, you're going to talk to Anthony about this? Don't you know what he's facing? I said, yeah, this is, this is no better time to talk to Anthony. So I get down there and I say, Anthony, um, I just want to share with you uh, First, I want to apologize for the way that I lived in college. I, I shared Jesus with you, but I wasn't living the way of Jesus. And he said, well, I want to apologize. I, I was an atheist. I tried to, tried to disprove everyone's faith. And I started witnessing to him. He goes, John, I know where you're going with this. I got saved. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So we embraced, and we became even better friends and uh, he battled cancer for over 15 years. God sustained him. He got married in that time, had three children. But I want to fast forward. So now this decision is before me. This is 2016. And I'm, I call Anthony because he's about to go into surgery. He's about to have brain surgery, have a tumor off of his brain and, and tumors off both of his lungs. And I was just crying out to the Lord for him to sustain him, they get through the surgery, and God, God did it. He, he got through the surgery and gave him three more years after that surgery. But uh, after I got done praying, Anthony prayed for me and about this decision. And I was so humbled. I, I just I couldn't believe that he was praying for me about this, this decision to move across the country and abandon everything, but he was facing life and death. And I just remember after hanging up, I told him I was so humbled by his prayer. And after I hung up with him, 
I just remember weeping before the Lord. I said, Lord, do you really want me to do this? I only have, I'll have a 17 years left. I'll have a full pension. I can do ministry on my own. You know, I won't need to be supported, um, you know, for missions and all this other stuff. And I just remember the Lord saying, how do you know you have 17 years left? And I, when, he, when he said that, I just said, Lord, it's a yes. I'm not looking back. And so ever, ever since that day, uh, we, we said yes, we committed. And our church, uh, Open Door from Rochester, they were our sending church. They were behind us. And we left uh, Rochester, New York in August of 2016, driving down to Houston, not knowing what next was. And just uh, trusting God in faith that he would provide. And I just want to give you a verse. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And I want to tell, I'm here to testify all the what ifs, all the struggles of saying, God, you're asking me to do this thing, but I don't know if I can do it. Well, he's faithful to do it. He, he has uh, blown us away with his faithfulness. And we are so thankful that we said yes, that we would have missed out if we hadn't said yes. And so these last six years, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been all uh, roses. There's been difficult seasons and times, but we are so thankful that we said yes. So we're here uh, in thankfulness and gratefulness uh, to the Lord. All right, I want to share with you about the ministry, Corlove. I, I know this, I wanted to share our story. Pastor asked me to share our story, our journey, because I believe that there are people here that God is speaking to your heart. It, it may not be that go to Haiti. It may not be, um, you know, abandon everything and, and leave your job, but he's speaking to your heart about why you're here, why you're here, why he's put you on this earth, the Ephesians 2.10 calling. And so that's why I wanted to share our story and, and Pastor wanted us to share a story. But I want to share about our organization, Core Love. So our vision with Core Love is to bring the love of Jesus Christ to the orphan by providing their six basic needs. Clean water, proper food, education, uh, job skills, health care, and a loving Christ-centered home. And we do that currently in Haiti. We have two children's villages in Haiti where we're taking care of 115 children day in, and day out, providing their six basic needs. We also have a school where we're providing 300 children with a, an education. The school is grades one through nine, and 300 children are going to that school. Obviously, uh, our kids go to that school, but then there's kids from the, the village that literally walk from mud huts and get a free education. Uh, we have a, a, an employee, his name is Auxilian. Before we came there, he was able to send, he has four children, he was able to send his oldest son to school and he would pray every day, Lord, help me to, to be able to provide for my other three children to go to school. And he uh, got that answer to prayer when we were able to build that school. Now all of his children go to that school. And uh, one of the things he's proud of, he, he shows us two things. He shows us the house that he built with his own hands out of stone. And then he shows the kids' uniforms that hang up on the clothesline. He says, those are the two things he's most proud of. And it's just amazing because uh, we, we kind of could take education for granted, you know. And, and here he prayed that his three kids would be able to go to school, his other three kids, and they do. So uh, Core Love really started James 127. So if you'd look there at this verse, because I want to share this, because this is, this is really the heart of God that Pastor Matt was referring to. Um, James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So if you dive into that verse and the word religion, if you look at the Greek meaning of that word, it actually means to worship. Worship, pure worship. And then if you look at the word to visit, the, the Greek meaning for that is to care for and take up the cause of. So now let's read that verse again with those two meanings. Pure worship or worship that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to take up and care 
for the cause of the orphan and the widow and their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is worship. Really, everything that we do, when we go to work, we can worship. When we walk out these doors, it's an act of worship that we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that's an act of worship. And taking care of these children is an act of worship. So uh, I shared with you our vision. Why do we do what we do? Because there's 153 million orphans in the world today. To give you an idea of what that number looks like, it's the population of Russia, or if you take every child in America, zero to 18, you double that number, and that's the amount of orphans that are in the world today. That's an alarming number. Now, we believe, and many of you, I'm sure, believe that the best way to take care of this crisis would be adoption and foster care, and we believe that. The best way to introduce a child to Christ is by a Christian home adopting a child and introducing them to Jesus. But here's the sad reality. Only 250,000 adoptions happen every year. That's, that means 99% of the children need to be taken care of right where they're at. And that's what drives and fuels Core Love to do what we do, to raise up the next Christian leaders in the countries that God calls us to and, and provide and develop uh, those children uh, to be the Christian leaders in that country. So just to give you another... You know, statistics are one thing, but if you push pause on the orphan crisis right now, meaning no more orphans, 153, it would take, at the rate currently of 250,000 a year, it would take 600 years to adopt all those children. So currently we work in Haiti. I share that. We also have a work in India where we're feeding 400 kids one meal a day and providing uh, the gospel and sharing the gospel, providing some education there as well. And we also have some open doors in Honduras. We're moving forward uh, with some land there and uh, rescuing some children there. So in 2020, uh, you know, the world changed. And we were, before COVID, taking over 40 trips a year to Haiti. We were taking uh, almost once a week taking uh, churches like yourselves to, and teams of people to go and see what we're doing in Haiti. Well, that all stopped. Even presentations like this in person, that all stopped. And uh, I remember praying. There was, there was a weight that was coming on because uh, Tracy and I have been asked to kind of lead uh, the organization. So we, we do the day-to-day -day operations. We also provide pastoral care uh, for our team. Uh, we, we raise up missionaries uh, to send them out to different countries, and we do the training for that. And so the weight of taking care of children day in and day out uh, got on, on our shoulders. And I remember just taking it to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like, I, you know, how we show and introduce people to the orphan crisis by taking them to Haiti, by presenting uh, love and he just said, I'm the father to the fatherless. And I didn't rescue those children to abandon them now. And I just remember the weight coming off my shoulder because it's not about us doing it. It's about us being obedient to what God has called us to do, but he does it. He's the father to the fatherless. And, and so we've just seen God's amazing uh, provision for our, kid, uh, for our children. So I asked a question earlier, really what started Core Love was the question, do you know the name of an orphan? So if you didn't know the uh, name of an orphan, I, I didn't know the name of an orphan uh, before I said yes to the orphan uh, crisis. But I'm going to introduce you to a little girl named Lavna. I'm going to share this story because it really, ch she changed our whole life. And um, she's part of the reason why we're here today. And it, and it came down to this. We were... In, in Haiti, and we went to Miss Dorothy, and we said, Miss Dorothy, we really feel called to adopt Lovna. And she said, well, that's great, but you can't. I said, what do you mean we can't adopt Lovna? And she said, 
Her mother is a prostitute and she's still alive. And in Haiti, they don't terminate parental rights. You have to sign off on the child. And she's already tried to sell Lovna twice, once as a voodoo offering and once into slavery. And she has been supernaturally rescued and brought back to this orphanage twice. And I said, wow, that's, that's amazing. But I was, I was also angry because I didn't understand. We have a great family, and we wanted to adopt. And I didn't understand why she couldn't become part of our family, and we couldn't take care of her. So I, I kind of removed myself from that conversation. My wife and her were still talking. And I said a prayer to the Lord. And I, I just want you to hear this, because it's so important why, why we're even here today. It's an answer to that prayer. But I said, Lord, I don't understand it. I'm angry. It doesn't make sense. This little girl should be in our home. I said, but if you, would you allow us to be a part of her life? Would you allow us to protect her that we could see her grow up? And so God answered that prayer. I never, that, that was in 2013. We didn't even know we were going to move to Texas yet. We didn't know that every day, and even when I'm speaking right now, it's an answer to that prayer because I'm being a voice for Lovna. And, and Lovna, you know, being in that home, we saw, this is, this is uh, Lovna and I one, one time when we were in uh, Haiti. And we've just seen her grow up. And, you know, the teams of people that go to Haiti, she ministers to them. And so we know now that God had a purpose for her there in Haiti, that her purpose was to share the love of Jesus with the teams that come because they all say, man, Love her. There's something about her. We have this connection with her. We're like, oh, yeah, we know what that is. And she just touched our heart in a way that um, we signed up to do this every day. <laughs> and so um, she is just one of the 115 children that we get to be a voice for and that um, we get to, to provide and take care of. And, and we can't wait to see what their futures look like. So, again, just want to, just the father to the fatherless. So we read throughout scripture, the Old Testament, constantly God refers to himself as the father to the fatherless. But he's adopted us into his family. He's adopted us and we are to be his hands and feet. We can't just say God's the father to the fatherless. He'll take care of those children. No, he's called us into his family, and he wants us to do something about it. And that's what fuels us every day. That's what gets our team up. That's what uh, missionaries that I, we have two families that have committed to leave uh, their jobs, making six figures, in, working in the oil field, and they're moving to Haiti with their three children to care for these children because they feel called by God to do that, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So the kingdom of God, I, I, I'm coming here sharing with you that I was once blind, but now I see, right? God changed our whole worldview. God, when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we see things in a different way. And, and throughout scripture, Jesus is walking with his disciples. Have you ever done this? Have you ever studied like Exodus and you're like, man, those Israelites, how, how silly of them. You know, they, they see God and cloud and fire, and then they start complaining. And they were fed manna. You know, they were fed from the sky. And then they start complaining and going away from God. And I, I learned very on that was me. That's, that's us, right? That's, that's a picture of us. And the disciples are a picture of us. Right, And Jesus was walking with the disciples, and he's constantly talking to them about the kingdom of heaven. And it doesn't look like they think it looks like. He's constantly telling them, because they're asking, can we sit on your right hand and your left hand? The disciples are thinking about an earthly kingdom. They're thinking about you know, being in power and fame, because that's, that's what today's world, that's, that's what is lifted up fame and power and riches and glory. But God, Jesus says, he brings a child next to him and says, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is what it looks like. And unless we come unto God as a child, we can't enter his kingdom. So the way that 
uh, God looks at everything is a lot different. His kingdom is a lot different than the way that we uh, view this world. It, it actually turns things upside down. And so that's, that's what's changed us. Um, and in Matthew 25, it says, Truly I say to you, as you've done it to the, one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. That, that when we provide a, coal, a, a, a cup of cold water in his name, we've done it unto Jesus. And that's, that's really when we take people on these trips, and it, and it happened for us, when we look into these children's eyes, we've seen a side of Jesus we've never seen before. And every day after the trip on the devotional, we'll say, we'll ask everyone, where did you see Jesus today? And so often the answer is, I, I saw him in the eyes of the children. I, I saw when, when one of the, the children gets a cold of cup of water and brings it to his special needs brother and takes care of his brother, I saw Jesus. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of what we don't get to see every day here um, and so I just want to encourage you, uh, if you've never been on a mission trip, if you've never gone to a third world country, I would, I would just say take a week of your life and just, and just see what God does with it. See what he'll do with it. Because it changed us, and um, it changed everything. So I, I want to end just by saying we all have a part to play. Um, we, we have a saying with Core Love, it's, it's use what's in your hand. Because uh, Mike and Mandy started Core Love with literally the only thing that they had in their hands was relationships. After 17 years of pastoral ministry, they reached out to pastors. They reached out to people they administered to, and that's what helped start Core Love. That's what launched Core Love. They didn't have any money in their hands. They didn't have anything. And just to give you a picture, we like to um, look at 2 Kings 4, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a widow there, and her two sons... Uh, are about to be sold into slavery because when her, when her uh, husband died, they, they had some debt. And in those days, you had to pay your debts. And the way that you would pay is your sons would have to become slaves. And she goes to the prophet Elisha, and she goes, what am I supposed to do? My, my sons are about to be slaves. And he says, what do you have in your house? And she answers, I, all I have is a, a little thing of oil. And, and the prophet says, go to all your neighbors and gather up vessels. And she does that. She goes out to all of her neighbors, and her sons do. And, and Elisha starts pouring the oil. And that out of that little bit that she had, she was able to fill enough vessels to pay all of the debt and take care of her family forever for their lives. And so we say, when we give what God has, what has put in our hands, he will do the miraculous with it because that's who he is, and he takes care of our children. So some, some of you, it might be become a defender. That's one way you can help, which is our monthly sustainability, how we take care of our children day in and day out. Some of you, it might be, man, God's calling me to be a missionary. Maybe God's calling you to be the hands and feet directly on the field. He could just be saying, would you be a voice for the children? Now you know about the orphan crisis. Would you tell other people about it? So however God speaks to your heart, we all have a part to play. I just want to encourage you. Thank you for your time. Uh, you, can, you can learn more about our organization on corelove.org. That's our website. But uh, I appreciate it. I know I went long. And uh, I, I appreciate this time, Pastor Matt. God bless you guys.